Hello, everybody. Dr. Rick Wallace dropping in on you. I hope everybody is having an unbelievable start to your week. It has definitely been uh, busy and challenging, uh, to say the least, getting started off here. But I definitely didn't want to shoot a recorded uh, video uh, for what I want to talk about now. I kind of want to share with you guys. So I'm streaming on multiple platforms. Uh, that include Facebook, YouTube, Periscope. Um, I'm going to be very candid. Uh, first and foremost, you guys have probably seen uh, my uh, video that talks about why the Ricky Smiley video uh, was taken down. Uh, if you haven't watched that, uh, you can get the video. You can see the video that was taken down on Rumble um, and Patreon. Um, and I have shared the links to uh, both of those profiles in the description box. Uh, moving forward, when things are quote unquote controversial, uh, that's where you're going to find uh, the content. I'll still come on here and I'll leave uh, what you may call a teaser or a prelude or a trailer uh, that'll redirect you to that uh, content. When possible, I'll still do it on here because there are financial reasons, obviously, uh, but <clears throat> the reach is still great, greater. They're just simply more subscribers here. Uh, and that is actually growing. And I, as long as I can utilize that, I will. Uh, but I'm already preparing for uh, any interruptions they might, that might take place. Uh, you will be able to find me on Rumble from what I have been able to find out about Rumble. And there are a couple of other places as well. Rumble, allows that controversial material when I interruption. I know Patreon does. Uh, you're putting up your content. I also have uh, a podcast, uh, the uh, Be The Change podcast, uh, which uh, will also be evolving into a portion of it being about the Black voice. Uh, my partner and I, Michael Jordan, are still working on how we're going to do that, but we're about to pop that off. So it's going to be a bunch of places that you can find uh, the more controversial, heated topics, but I've been put on probation for 90 days here on YouTube uh, because of the content I shared about COVID. Uh, they pulled down the video. Hello, Alana. <clears throat> Hello, uh, moral of this um, on YouTube. Uh, they uh, definitely... Uh, they definitely you know, pulled it down. And there's a bunch of reasons why if you go to the Odyssey Project site and read some of the stuff that I've been posting there in the way of articles and research, you'll you'll, you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about. Uh, but uh, they won't have a problem with me talking about what I'm talking about here. And you'll, 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 you'll understand why uh, when we get off into this conversation. Uh, before I forget, don't, don't forget that the Odyssey Project definitely needs your support uh, for the work we're doing, for the work we're trying to do, uh, and beyond. Uh, we've been doing this for 20 years now. Officially, I've been doing it for 30 individually. Uh, and it, it, it's it's challenging for so many different reasons. And I don't want to really get off into it, but we do need your support. So go to the description box. Look at the link. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to add the link that you can do it in the chat boxes for those of you who can actually see the chat. Not every platform gets to see the chat, unfortunately. So I'm going to do that real quick. All right. So that's that. Now, uh, let's talk about why, uh, the baby is being forced to apologize for some comments he made on stage that uh, drew the ire of the LGBTQ community. And my focus here is not so much the LGBTQ community, but how 
they are dealt their complaints are dealt with differently than those of blacks and why many blacks aren't even offended by things that we should be offended by because of the negative impact it has on how we are viewed how we view ourselves how our children see themselves and so much more now what kills me is when you hear people talk about it everybody's talking about it about you know how many shows got canceled after the baby said what he said and all of this right so everybody's talking about that what people aren't talking about is the fact that before he said something that was considered to be offensive against that whole community because it's not just uh gay anymore unless you generalize the whole thing as being gay then okay whatever i don't have time to try to cipher through definitions and all that basically the lg lgtbq community uh was not happy some people who weren't even a part of the community made a big issue about it uh and, and i want to talk about that as well but at the end of the day nobody's talking about the fact that before he did that this young uh I, I, I don't want, I would be using the word artist loosely as far as I'm concerned, but this rapper, quote, whatever, um, was on the rise. His star was rising. And yet before, and uh, let's add another person to that because, uh, and, and, and she's a Houstonian and I try to get some leeway because of that. But, uh, the more I see it, the more I see just another, uh, part of the machine, just another agent being used. Uh, but Megan, Meg the Stallion came out and said, we need to do better uh, in being more sensitive to the LGTB community uh, in rap. That was her thing in rap lyrics. We need to be more sensitive. Now, this is a person that uses hoe and the B word uh, when referring to other females and herself uh talks about drug use talks about promiscuity talks about a bunch of other things that don't serve well when you're trying to set principles trying to set standards trying to set character goals for your youth i'm not saying that the music doesn't have a place because when we were growing up we had millie jackson we had grace jones we had a bunch of stuff that definitely but i could tell you i couldn't just go find it and listen to it it wasn't just that accessible and my parents couldn't know that i was listening to it it wasn't that acceptable and it was a place where and because it wasn't acceptable because if you got caught listening to it you would be in trouble you understood that that wasn't the standard or the norm and you should see it as such so it was like an off thing it was something that uh uh, that you have to look at. Now, I want to get back to it. There are two elements and components here. The first element and component is the power of the LGBTQ community. You can also talk about how fast the Asians were able to get legislation legis uh, legislation in place to protect them after a year of, quote unquote, being under, uh, under threat or under harm in no way near in comparison to what we've been through. But they got the protection. I'm not mad at them for getting protection. What I'm saying is, why is it that we don't? Here, here we go. And this is what I'll talk about. The first thing is the power they have. The second thing is the power we don't have. First of all, in order to develop that kind of power, you've got, you got to be unified. We're not unified. We're not, we, we, we're not on code. And we don't know when to be offended because we have someone else writing the narrative. We have someone else setting the standards. We have something that was created out of a necessity to fill the gap of the Black Panther part of the Black Nationalist Party, hip hop was birthed out of that. It wasn't just about music. It was about poetry. It was about the way we wore our clothes. It was about a uniqueness about us. It was about an expression of our uniqueness and our power. It was a way of communicating with one another that most people couldn't understand. It was a way to share things and people not know what we were sharing. It was that huge. It was that powerful. And it was uh, a powerful. I'm not saying that there hasn't been a uh, uh, misogynistic lyrics for years. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying there hasn't been a certain level of praise of materialism. I'm not saying any of that. You can find it all back there. But what I'm saying is we understood the gist of it. That was that was depth. And if you listen to the miseducation of Lauren Hill, you see it through the entire album.
You listen to the X-Clan. You listen to poor righteous teachers and, and public enemy. I mean, if you want to get on the radical side, you have public enemy. You had uh, Boogie Down Productions. You had Rakim. You had people spit, spitting to you some stuff that could get you elevated, to get you thinking highly of yourself, to get you feeling like, hey, man, I can make it in this life. And so many other things. What happened is it what 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 happened is most people say, OK, the wealthy elite saw. Oh, yes, the wealthy elite saw an opportunity to make money. Yes, that happened. No, but I'm going to tell you what the wealthy elite saw more than that. The wealthy elite saw that it had a, an impact that they began to recognize beyond what they already knew how powerful music was and how we receive music rhythmically, energetically, and spiritually different than anybody else. That it had a deeper impact on us than it did on any other any other, uh, any other group. And they realized that something was coming out of that that they didn't want to come out of that. So they doubled down. They said, we're going to make money off of it and we're going to rewrite the narrative. Because if it was just about money, they could have got in and got behind the positive stuff that was going on in hip hop and made the money because it wasn't the public dictating what was coming out at that time. It was the music industry in hip hop dictating what the public wanted to hear. It was the industry that came in, commercial industry, predominantly elite, non-black, uh, major label owners that came in and changed it to about to the thug culture, to the sex culture. And because they were putting major money into the pockets of artists who had never seen money, artists sold out. The ones that didn't sell out started to become irrelevant. Nobody was listening. Nobody was buying their records. Their record, their records were being shelved. If they wouldn't change the content, if they had songs they had written and they were saying, we don't want that, we don't want that, we don't want that, we need more stuff about this, and they weren't willing to do it, their, their, their projects were shelved. The careers were killed. And we're on the outside being told, hey, you want to hear this. And they, 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 they did it in a way that was systematic. They started with groups like, uh, uh, who, who I can think of that probably was made, NWA. NWA was one. Two Live Crew was another. And they touched on areas that would be something we would jump on. NWA came out with a very hostile stance against the status quo, mainstream, police, all the things that people within the hood couldn't stand. And so people jumped on it, but they didn't know what was going to follow because it was a lot of other stuff that we did need to jump on. The stuff about killing ourselves, killing one another, the drug game, all of the stuff that we needed to be killing in our community was now being promoted in our community. The other side with Two Live Crew tapped into the sexuality and normalized the objectification of men and women, predominantly females. And it became normal. It became acceptable. It became okay. It was it was considered fringe and, and, and edgy when it first started. Now it's the norm because it was normalized. That's how you have to be careful. What's what's being normalized with your kids right now? You have to ask yourself what things that you don't want your kids to sit up and embody as character traits that you see being pumped daily. And, and there you have it. They are normalizing antisocial, counter-social, counterproductive behavior. And children are out there in droves practicing it. Try having a conversation with a teenager now. And everything that you uphold, you'll find that they, they look at uh, dis dismissively at best and disrespectfully at worst. And they actually expect the world to fold to them because they've been told, hey, I can be an Instagram influencer. I can be a YouTube influencer. I don't know anything, but I'm cute. All you have to do is be cute. Now, unfortunately, uh, Talk Milk 10, uh, I can't take 
too much of a negative eye, but I've been in this game long enough to see we've making very little progress, if any. We're actually moving backwards in so many different ways. But back to this whole thing with why um, the baby had to apologize. The baby started having tour cancellations. Now, if you understand the music industry, that's where the artist makes most of their money. So a great deal of that outside of the promo, uh, the promoters and everybody else that's in it that gets a piece of that uh, tour money. That's the biggest part. The record label gets their money on record sales and and, 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 and downloads and a bunch of other stuff on the front end. And they play the they pay the artists royalties out of that based off of some artists are getting 13 cents or less, 13 cents or more, but less than a dollar per sold unit and it's not cds anymore pretty much but uh it sold unit so an entire project which would not would have which used to be a cd and before that a, a, a cassette tape before that an lp is now a unit so they might get a dollar a unit or less okay that's not where they're going to earn their money they're going to earn their money on tour so the tours being canceled wasn't the deal but the tours being canceled was a pre precursor to what the Record labels could expect from their investment in the baby. So what do they do? They get on the phone with him and say, you got to apologize. Your handlers are now telling you you are going to apologize. Not because because, you know, he came out. He was he, he came hard when it first hit. He went at Quest Love and a couple other people. He was standing until the handlers. Put it in his ear. This is not a request. You will apologize. Why? Because. That's our money you're about to mess with. And we can't have you doing that. So number one is you're going to apologize and you're not going to do it again. Now, you can go out there and say all kind of stuff about drugs and, and prostitution. You can talk about guns and, and, and killing one another in the hood and, and over sexually objectifying uh, the females in your community. You can do that. Go get our paper. But uh, -uh don't piss those people off. Because, see, what they understand is that because the gay community was on code and they had a, an agenda and protocols in place, they developed power beyond the size of their community. So now when you do something that upsets them, you don't just upset them. You upset an entire people, a group of people within the country that aren't a part of the community, but have now bought into the idea that they are a threatened community, an endangered community, a community disrespected, and they are now siding with them because they knew how to put a plan together, a PR plan, a social plan, an economic plan, to where they invested what they did have in the way that they wanted to move their agenda, and now they have power. So now, because they have power, when you upset them, you upset a bunch of people. You even upset the political balance. I mean, there are people in the political arena that are pushing their agenda for them because they knew how to play the game. Flip side, most of us don't even know when to be offended. Most of us have bought into the idea that it's just music, that it's just entertainment that it really doesn't matter. It's just a commercial. Let me tell you something. If you don't even understand propaganda, if you don't understand how the mind works and how the mind responds to stimuli and how uh, when something is imprinted on your mind, how it affects your subconscious and your decisions, your choices, your beliefs, and so many other things. If you don't understand that, let's just use some simple rationale. If all it was was entertainment, if what you watch and what you listen to didn't have any bearing on your behavior and your choices, why would companies be spending four and five million dollars for a 30 second slot on Super Bowl Sunday? One, Super Bowl Sunday, the Super Bowl is the most watched television program every year, even with the way things have been going. It's the most watched television program at any given time by far. So more people are going to be watching this than any other time. 
So guess what? The big heavy hitters sit up and pay the big heavy dollars to make sure that 30 second slot is in your head. And it's going to be funny. So you remember to see anything that's emotional that gets your emotional thing up, like you're laughing at it or you're crying about it or whatever. It sticks. The more emotional you get about something, the more you remember it. So they make you laugh. They make men. Did you see that? And then what do you do after you see it? You ask your boys or your girls, did you see that commercial? Now you're talking about it. Repetition. Now it's in your head. Now it's dancing around there. And before you know it, the next time that you need whatever that is that you saw, guess what you do without ever even thinking? You go out and buy it. Have you ever asked yourself why the nasty food that McDonald's served, they still remain the number one fast food uh, establishment in the United States? Marketing. They understand how to market. And they target kids. Now, the music is targeting kids. It's dumbing them down. It's feminizing the male image. It's sexualizing and objectifying the female image. It's pulling away from the natural need of fiscal and social responsibility. It's creating an entire entitled generation. You've got to understand how the game is. Being. I, I told you before, one of the biggest problems that we face as a community is not understanding how things work. Even when we're upset about something, we don't know how to do anything about it because we don't understand how things work. We won't change, but we don't want to invest in change. We won't change, but we also want to have the freedom to do it. Another big issue we got that's totally destroying the black community is the live and let live culture. Oh, man, got to love it. Man, it's not my business. They do what they want to do. No, it, it may not be your business to tell them what to do, but it is your business in the sense that what they do affect you. You can't. Humans are social creatures by nature. Study any species that come from social groups. And what you will find is that the group operates by a code. And when someone isn't in the code, they get punished, whether it's lions, whether it's seals, whether it's whales. Everybody has a code. Everybody operates on the code. When somebody gets off code, it puts the whole herd, the whole group, the whole pride, the whole uh uh Wolf, wolves, wolves running packs, the whole pack puts them in jeopardy and it has to be dealt with. And it can be dealt with with something as severely as death. But we sit up and we believe, no, that's not my business. Do what you want to do. Yeah, that works for individualisms. Here's the problem. Why, whites can sit up and they can do that and certain other groups can do that. Why? Because they have more economic power. They have more means and mechanisms in place to protect them in their individual pursuits. If we get out there on our own, we're on our own. And anytime they want to come after us, they do ask Bill Cosby, ask R. Kelly, ask anybody. And I'm not supporting or suggesting anything that they did was right or wrong. What I'm sitting up saying is it's a bunch of people doing what they're doing that's not getting the same heat because they fall under a different category. You got to understand. So if we would have held them in check and held them accountable from the beginning, we actually would have protected them from themselves. We have to get to a point to where we understand the dynamic. Everybody, the, the, the village, that concept is gone now. And the village has been placed with, been replaced with individualism. The village has been replaced with, you know, however I feel I'm going to do this and I'm going to live my life and I'm going to get everything out of it I can. That's why it's so easy for us to sell out and literally, and that's why I posted that Ricky Smiley video that got taken down. It's because when the money's right, we'll ignore facts. We'll ignore, we ignore, uh, all types of data and information, and we will promote the narrative that's given us to promote because it's put money in our pockets. I have lost money because I won't fold. I have lost money because I've lost clients. 
who have some way and somehow come across me talking ab about my people. Yes, I have businesses where I deal with people who don't look like me. If I didn't, I would starve. Trust me. You try doing a business that only eats off the black community and see how far you get. But no matter how much money I pull out of non-black economies, they will never change my black status or me. I see myself, before I see myself as anything, I'm a black man. In order to be a good black husband, I have to be a black man. In order to be a good black father, I have to be a black man. I'm black in and out. And everything that I love starts from there. Do I have friends who aren't black? Absolutely. And they've been unbelievable friends. My friends will tell you that my blackness comes first. Why? Not because of me personally, because actually I could live and move in that environment, in their world, and be very successful. But I couldn't live with myself. I tell people all the time, the first half of my life was about me. First half of my life was about me proving what I could do, getting what I could get, having what I could have, and, and, and showing up and turning up. That was the first half of my life. And then I find myself waking up in the middle of the morning every freaking day, two or three o'clock in the morning. Can't go back to sleep. What's, what's wrong, man? I got I got stuff in my driveway that people want. I, I got a house that people can't even dream about. I can do anything I want. Nothing is a word for me. This is mid-2000s, 2004, 2005. And then I had a talk with someone and they said, you can go out and get all the things you want, but until you start living in your purpose, until you, until you start embracing the tougher things and taking on the challenges of being who it is you're supposed to be in this world, you're never going to be fulfilled. You're going to be empty. and You can't fill it with women. You can't fill it with cars. You can't fill it with clothes and shoes. You can't fill it with jewelry. You can't fill it with any of those things. You're going to have to fill it with your legacy. And from that day forward, I started building my legacy. And it cost me. It cost me dearly. Because um, I found out first and foremost, when you're living your legacy, all money ain't good money. Uh-oh. Can't take that. Uh-oh. That would be good for my bank account, but it wouldn't be good for my people. Oh, we don't want to live on that level. Oh, no, because, see, the world has glorified climbing up and nobody's talked about the importance. I tell people all the time. Until I am no longer an anomaly, meaning that I'm a black man that can hold his own and move in this world. Despite all the pressure, despite all of the mechanisms and machinations set up against me. As long as I'm an anomaly, as long as the vast majority of my people are facing things that are bigger than them that they don't know how to come out of, I'm not successful yet. Until I create a pathway and blaze a pathway that people can get behind me and flow in. Yes. Am I doing it? Yes. Every day. I haven't finished yet. That's a part of my purpose. That's a part of my passion. That's why I take the hits I take. Because we've got to instill in the younger black brothers the importance of internal and selfish sacrifice. Could, Like I said, could I be eating if all I cared about was money? Yeah, because I could burn a bunch of people in the process and get rewarded for it. They love that. Somebody that has some credentials behind their name, somebody that can speak and draw attention, somebody that can move. If you, if I could get you to say this, if I could get you to say that and, and, and move it, oh man, look what I got for you. I got for, I've had it. Hey man, what, what can I get you to say this on your channel? Hell no. Anything that I haven't spoken in truth on this channel in 11 years is because I was mistaken. And anybody who's followed me during that time knows the moment I realized I spoke in error, I come back and I post a retraction and I post what I found the new truth to be because I'm not perfect. So I'm never, ever going to sit up and mislead my people on purpose for the sake of gain. It's big money in it. It's a bunch of people doing it. Some of the people that you're following and you're trusting and you're thinking are on your side. Again, while I posted that video are actually lying in their pockets at your expense. Now, some of that 
we've got to take ownership in in the fact that what do you expect a 19 year old kid 18 19 year old 20 21 year old kid who grew up in nothing but poverty seen nothing but death seen nothing but struggle probably had family members addicted to crack and everything else what do you expect them to do when somebody puts five hundred thousand dollars in their pocket and said this is the lyrics i want you to spit we have nothing set up we won't invest in anything we won't build anything we we won't help socialize we won't help build we won't create uh, 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 apparatuses of our own so that we can say okay we will sign you we will give you this we will do this we don't have anything to offer them based on the narrative that's been spit first of all we got to change the narrative yes you need money to live in this world absolutely you need money to do the stuff we do at the odyssey project yes you do but you also need character to go with it you need to have something deeper inside of you so that when money is thrown in front of you you don't sell out that's why he had to apologize the people who really own it spoke and what he thought no longer mattered. The one thing I could tell you about being my own business owner, my own boss, and doing what I do with the Odyssey Project is nobody can pull my strings. Nobody can sit up and say, you're going to have to say this. Even when somebody says, okay, we're going to take this away from if you don't do it. Well, take it, but I'm not going to speak uh if i can't speak the truth on it like i said when when that when they took that one down if i can't speak the truth on it i won't talk on it at all but you are not going to get me to push a narrative that i know not to be true so i'll go speak the truth where i can speak it and the truth is if we really were on code all of those who were really doing the work in the black community would have a platform that was truly 100 black owned because they would have the financial support of the people. But we're not on code. We're not on code. I remember like my wake up call on code was my, what? We're, we're 20 years in now, almost. My 10th year, roughly my 10th year when Michael Brown got killed my 10th year in doing this. And at that time I hadn't even gotten in 10 years, $5,000 in donations. Everything was coming from me figuring it out and working it and robbing my kettle to do it. And I watched Darren Wilson shoot Mike Brown and the threat of prosecution before they shut down his GoFundMe was at 500,000 in uh, a little over a month. And it showed me how on cold they are. You can't tell me that they thought what he did was right, but they knew he was under duress and he was under duress from an external force that black people were pushing an uh, agenda to get him prosecuted. And they just naturally, now a bunch of them were bigots that didn't see nothing but an animal being killed. But others were just white people seeing a white person. And just because he wore a badge, he had to be a good person. He's a white person and they're on code. And what made me understand it wasn't because he was a cop, because when Muhammad Moore killed the the Australian woman, he didn't get the same support. He was a cop um, and mistakenly shot her. She came up behind him after calling in a burglar. He startled him. He shot her. He's doing 12 years now. And it wasn't nobody on code for Muhammad. Muhammad Moore, black man. I think from Ethiopia. But uh, flip side, shoot, it's been a list of them getting on code. Hell, even um, I can't think of the, this this kid's name to save my life right now. But the one that shot the nine people in the church not that long after that got support, got money sent to him. They are on code. It's real. They're on code. And we're not. And I heard, I saw someone here saying that they don't think we're ever going to be on code. And I just can't live my life with a never say can't or a can't attitude. So I have to wake up every day and go to war like I believe it's going to happen today. 
But the truth is, we're so far behind and we're continually letting them push this madness into the minds of our children, through their ears and through their eyes. And we're not calling it. We're not stopping it. We're not moving against it. We're not standing on it. And we need and I'm, you know, my whole thing is. If they're not doing something that lifts us, we can't be behind them. You know, and, and, and then they'll shame you. Oh, blacks, tan blacks down. No, they're tearing us down with their lyrics. They're tearing us down with their behavior. They're tearing us down with the message that they're presenting consistently. They're tearing us down. We have a right to stand up. We're the only ones that get told we're, we're, we're tearing somebody down when they're doing something that we know is detrimental to the community. No, you don't have to be on the type of code they're on in the sense of supporting bad stuff. But there are a bunch of good stuff we're not on code with. No, I'm not saying go out. Like I said, I, I wasn't behind the R. Kelly, or Bill Cosby, or none of that stuff. Now, that's, that's not what I'm saying, Armia. Please understand this. What I'm saying, though, is that's how on code they are. And what you'll find is you, you're not – I tell you, I used to deal in – I used to deal in – loose gems, diamonds and rubies and stuff like that. And predominantly that entire industry is sold up by the Jewish community. There's a place in Houston where an entire office building is nothing but a bunch of suites where individual diamond owners own uh, their own shop and they're moving these gems out of those offices. And it's protected by police. I mean, literally police guards are there. And that's where you go. And so I would get a lot of my stuff from there. But what I found out is you can have them. They could literally not like each other. But if you go into one shop and everything is camera, camera code, everything is there. You go in one shop and you know, OK, this person has this type of stuff and that person has that stuff. There might be two or three people that's carrying similar stuff. And they know that they know, OK, if you leave here, you're probably going there next. By the time you get there, they've already communicated. And you're going to get the same identical price the other person told you. They're not going to undercut one another. It's a code. It's they're never going to allow someone outside of their community to beat somebody in their community, even if they have to take a hit to do it. I'm telling you from experience, I watched it and I learned something from it. And I mean, like, if we could ever get on code like that, I'm, again, I'm not talking about supporting people who are dangerous to the community. We need to uproot that. That's a whole nother pink elephant in the room. A lot of a lot of our threats coming from within. And I've talked about that. I'm going to get on that some more, too. And so what I'm saying is it's a bunch of stuff out there you should be supporting. No, don't support uh, negative behavior. Don't support that. Don't get get on cold. Support the people who are out there. I know right now five, six, seven organizations that are out there putting in real work and very little support. We blew Black Lives Matter up and they ain't did jack for us. That money was funneled out of Ferguson, out of black pockets predominantly, and a bunch of other non-blacks that were uh, bamboozled and funneled into the LGBTQ community for the most part. It was literally birthed and exploded off the death of a black man. Go find a traditional black man on the website, especially back then when it was going on. I told then Darren Seals died trying to tell you. Neo to your era, screamed from the top of her lung. That's how we became connected and close. Everybody's telling you this is what's going on. They funnel, you know. A minimum, we know now by doing some research, some forensic uh, accounting and, and research, at least $100 million that the black community will never see with any true force. But they're buying million-dollar homes, multiple million-dollar homes for a couple of them. Have no problem with people buying homes and living nice as long as the value that they're returning to the community uh, substantiates it and justifies it. If you give in the community uh, $10 million in value, I think you it, it's not a bad thing for you to have a meal. If you're giving them 10, 10 in value, but the people who are giving that type of value ain't eating. 
Yosef Ben Yakinen died broke and alone. If it wasn't for uh uh man, and he just passed away. Man, uh it's so many that I sit up and I think about. Wow, I'm just just thinking about uh the fact that we just lost a, a great elder, but um so many of them passed away with nothing because we believe that if you're really truly about us, you shouldn't get paid. Nobody else is doing that. Nobody else is doing that. Nobody else is sitting up saying you don't deserve, man, you putting in work, you deserve any, anywhere else. That's why, uh, that's again, why you got a bunch of people who are capable that you can't pull in because they can go put in work somewhere and actually get paid for working. You go out into a community like I've done, like my my mentee and friend. He's my friend. I started out as my mentee. He's my friend. I Michael Jordan into a community where kids are literally living with parents who are squatting in condemned buildings and coming to school and trying to learn. And you go put that work in. Do that. And, and, and that alone. To where you are literally working with families who don't have electricity. You can't get and how it all started is Mike was coming up with food drives and giving these families food only to come to find out that they didn't have anywhere to put the food when they got home. They couldn't cook it, no electricity, couldn't put it in the refrigerator, no electricity, no gas, no running water. And these kids are coming to school and trying to learn. And you're in that community, a whole freaking community, a whole middle school. Hartman Middle School in the south side of Houston. And you're trying to figure this out. And you're trying to help this family. Where was it coming from? We tried to put a food bank together that serves the community. We tried to bring them together and do collective uh, consumerism. So what, then they, when they did have to buy things, they were buying it in bulk, trying to put programs together. But it's hard when you're out there and you're putting your soul and your energy and your effort into it, and it's nothing backing you but you. I'm talking about things I can feel because it was me. How many female parents are bringing their male sons to me because daddy's not present? And this is not taking a shot at brothers because I was a single parent for my older kids. My three older kids, I was a single parent. And there's more men out there like me. We ain't all bad. But what I'm saying is there are a bunch of mothers bringing their sons to me and they want them to have the type of coaching that I give. And there's no money there. So either I got to take it for free or say, you know, come back in X amount of weeks. Come back in X amount of weeks. And I'm telling you, these young men are shaken and the system is ready to swallow them up. And we wonder why somebody like the baby take that signing bonus and go off and sell us out. Because in his mind, because we are so individualized in our thinking, in his mind, at least I'm eating. And then now there's a certain level of false superiority because I got something you don't got because we judge everything by what we have. See, if he'd have been properly socialized from age four or five and taught and brought into manhood, he'd have had some, 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 a sense of pride about his true nature and his people and his responsibility. And oh, let's not forget, let's let, act, act like it's just male rappers. Because, like I said, we got Meg the Stallion and some others over here that want to talk about being sensitive to the LGBTQ community. But you, 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 you being and aging our females, you're talking about drugs and promiscuity and everything else that doesn't serve our youth well. You can't grow up like that and be successful in life unless you're an entertainer. And that's what, less than 1%? But you're pumping that into our children's heads. We've got to change. We've got to change. We've got to change. Tammy, thank you. Uh, I'm just doing what I can. I'm not perfect. Uh, you know, I did what I can and I still do what I can. Between me and my wife, we have 13 kids. Uh, I don't have stepchildren. I refuse to even use that term. I have children. 
Uh, we have 13. I brought seven into the game. She bought six. And it's a bunch of people out there talking about uh, having kids to value. I got one of the most awesome women in the world. And uh, I came in, and I guess because I came in with so many, it was easy for me to say, man, the more to marry. It's not easy. Uh, I think we got nine adults and four left behind that we trying to, uh, no, three left behind. So we got 10 adults now. Wow. Uh, well, I'm saying adults, the 19-year-old. Uh, and that's another thing. You know, uh, I don't consider my kids adults until they're old enough to move out on their own and do their own. Uh, so we we don't push ours out. Um, and so, you know, it can get it, it can get challenging real quick. But I just said all this because somebody was saying I'm a you know, yes, I, I, I was a single father to uh, four kids at, at one particular point, four kids. In the house with me having to do everything. Now, the thing is, that was no thirst for money. We were good with money, but that's so much more to parenting than money, trust me. And if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. It's so much. Uh, I don't, I can't, I don't want to mispronounce that, but uh, last name, Nanton, absolutely. Uh, I just look at what our babies are wearing out there and thinking it's okay. What I'm looking at is how many people want to co-sign it. That, again, that's that live and let live culture. Let them look like this. Let them. And I'm like, but there's a cost of that. that. It's a representation. You can look at a person and get an idea. It doesn't mean because you're dressed scantily that you are bad in your spirit, but it, it, it's a representation of where you're at in your life because the more you value yourself, the more you protect yourself. And, and I'm talking men and women. The more you value yourself, the more you keep yourself to yourself and covered and in the right places. You don't expose yourself to everything because everything doesn't mean you're good. And when you expose yourself, you're vulnerable to what you expose yourself to. That's what I teach my babies. I, you, hey, you can't expose yourself to something without making yourself vulnerable to it. Now you have to ask yourself, do I want to make myself vulnerable to something that I don't know or really trust what it's going to do? But what I can do is I can look back in history and say people who were in this situation, lives turned out like this. Oh, wait a minute. Life turned out like this. So I can literally. So actually, people can look at the way you're dressing. And if it's a consistent theme, I'm not saying if you're not going out and having a good time, whatever. But that should be a certain way you carry yourself no matter where you're at. That should be a certain way you carry yourself, a certain way you present yourself, not because you're worried about what the world thinks, but because of how you value yourself. Everybody doesn't get all of me. Ain't but one person alive gets all of me. And truthfully, she doesn't get all of me because she got to split it with the kids. She's got to split it with me because that sometimes I need me. But the person who gets the most of me is my wife. And she earned that right because she came in and she balanced me. That's something we don't teach. Everybody's coming in worried about what they're going to get instead of what they're going to give in relationships. When I saw my wife, I'm like, how can I make her life better? She's looking at me saying, this brother's got together. How can I add to him? We're constantly pouring into one another. And holding one another accountable because we have something we're aiming for far beyond where we are now. We are getting our behinds roasted in this system because we don't understand how things work. We don't want to get behind the things that can lift us. All it needs is a good beat or make you laugh. Tyler Perry, and we give it a pass. It's got a good beat. We don't, we're we gonna give those lyrics a pass because, oh man, I can move to it. Man, it's it's funny, even though it's disrespected, disrespectful, and derogatory towards my people. It's funny, so I'm gonna embrace it. And then it normalizes dysfunction. It normalizes toxicity and it'll have you believing that what you are actually in is part of the culture. I wrote about that in my 19th book. I'm on book 24 now. 
Well, I know I published book 25. I'm on book 25 now. But I wrote about it in book 19, Born in Captivity, Psychopathology as a Legacy of Slavery. We actually treat a lot of our pathological behaviors as a part of the culture. In fact, it's so repetitive that in many instances it has become a part. But that's not because of who we are. That's not inherent culture. That's pathological behavior that we have normalized. It's not who we are inherently. We've reduced ourselves to match what narrative is being written about us because we keep consuming the narrative. Did you get what I just said? We keep reducing ourselves to match the narrative because we keep consuming the narrative. We need to start writing the narrative. We need to start holding ourselves accountable. We need to elevate ourselves. And what that means is we've got to hold people accountable. It's not for if it's not for the group, it's not for the people, it's not for us. If it doesn't elevate us, elevate us, if it doesn't empower us, if it doesn't put us in a position to be stronger, it is not for us. We've got to get behind the programs that actually lift us. I've been telling you guys about Black Man Leaf over 10 years. I've been telling about what my wife does. My wife does, my wife goes inside of institutions where babies are on lockdown, teenagers out of the system, mostly out of foster care. Some of them have been a part of sex trafficking and she goes in and she works with them. Having been a survivor of, having been a survivor of sexual abuse as a child and, and rape as a child, she understands it. She put it all in her book. I, I'm not sharing anything with you that she hasn't already shared in her book. That's how I met my wife. Let me, share, let me tell you a story. And, and this is why I'm so passionate about it. See, I was a man that was taught that you are a protector before you are a provider. When my wife came to me, she came to me to work with me because of the type of work I did with women who were traumatized. And I still do that work. And she worked with me and she shared with me and she said, uh, I believe God is moving me to write a book about my story, but I'm afraid about bringing all that out and how my family is not going to be happy with me. But I said, you got to speak your truth, write the book. It's going to be cathartic. It's going to be therapeutic and it's going to be empowering. And after we finished working together, it was totally platonic. It was totally professional. And when we, when, when we finished working together, she went her way. I went my way, but I knew then she was my wife. I didn't know how she was going to come back around or I was going to find her again. But I knew that she was going to be my wife. A year later, she comes back around and says, hey, how's it going? I just want to drop in and let you know I wrote the book. And I stayed in contact with her for about a week. We talked. I encouraged her. Then I told her, I want you to be my wife. I didn't date my wife. I watched my wife. I watched her as a client. I watched her after she left. I observed her. I saw the character I needed in a woman. I knew that we both were going to be different people as we evolved. So no matter how much more time I watched her, she was going to evolve. She's never going to be the same person because she's growing. So I didn't need a bunch of time. I just need to know what's in your heart. What's in your character? And I said, OK, I know what I'm bringing to the table. And she had already shown me what she was bringing to the table. And we did that. And we're still doing that. But we got programs, Black Man Lead, Restoring Ghettos, Forgotten Daughters, Music is Life. Man, trying to get support, <laughs> whole other thing. And I tell people all the time, you don't have to support me, but get behind somebody. I can tell you that there are people out there, like when I get off the phone with you, I'm getting on the phone with Mike, who owns, who runs an organization uh, called Endowering Hearts. That's how I met Mike. Mike came to me as a mentor and said, man, I listen to you. I watch you. And it's just a blessing that, that we're in the same city now. Because I, when I first did it, I'm originally from Houston, but I, I've lived in a lot of different places. And I wasn't in Houston uh, at the time that I met him. I was visiting here. and He heard I was here and he came and found me. And eventually I got back and he said, man, I'm glad you're here. And he pulled me into the work he was doing in the community with what he was doing. I showed him what I was doing. And we've been going hard in the paint since. But I can tell you, he doesn't have close to the support he needs, but it never stops him. 
Every time you look up, he's give clothes and feet. Man, I've been sitting up waiting to meet Mike. Mike, 40 minutes late. When Mike shows up, he's got a homeless dude in the car he met at a store that he's going to decide to get set up somewhere and get some things going from. And he does that. This dude has a heart that's unbelievable. He needs to have people behind him. And I know other people, Neota Yura is doing a massive work between her working with Fred Hampton Jr. in Chicago, her doing the things she's doing in St. Louis and Ferguson and so much more and building out black media. She needs support. So that we have a platform where we can speak truth to power without worrying about getting canceled or losing, losing, losing our content and so much else. Like I said, we need support. I have put uh, the way that you can help our organization in the description box. But there are other voices out there, other voices, there are other work. I mean, and it's not just in one area. There's so many ways we need to conquer this. But we need to have a decisive understanding of what we will and will not accept. And we need to stand on it and we need to hold people accountable. I'm not worried about hurting nobody's feelings when it comes down to my people. I'm not out to be mean to anybody. I'm not out to tear anybody down. But if I find out you're an enemy, you're fair game. If I think that you're really, truly uh, about that life, but you may be off. I'm going to give you a call. I'm not going to blast you in public because the enemy doesn't need to see that. And my our people don't need to see that. There are a bunch of people that I've had issue with that I've spoken to. Some people I've had issue with and it wasn't big enough of an issue for my ego to be involved. So I looked over it and kept right on going because it's something bigger in this. We got to grow up. We got to be better. Look, I'm pushing up on an hour. Uh, but I just really, really wanted to talk about that. Like, again, the links to go check out some of the more controversial uh, tech, uh, content that's going to be going up. Uh, I'm going to keep doing that. Like I said, I'll do the teasers over here. If it's going to be hot and, and, and controversial, it'll probably be on another uh, uh, another platform. And I'll, I'll do the teaser here and I'll provide the link and you can go over and check out the video over there. You can check it out on the podcast or whatever. Uh, but we're going to be doing some things. We're going to be putting some things out. Uh, that we've been working on. I got a couple of interviews that I've been sitting on because I had nowhere to put them. They were that hot. And so I'm like, man, if I go to edit this, I ain't gonna have nothing left. So it's, I've been sitting on it. And so that stuff is going to be over there. But look, we need your support. Uh, I don't know any other way to put it. We need it. Uh, show some love. Go click the link and give. And uh, I guarantee you, we will continue the work. We're going to continue the work regardless. Uh, I don't talk to a bunch of noise. I get mad. I get frustrated. Say, I'm done. I can't do this. But it's in my heart. It's burning. It's a burning passion. It's it's not something I control. It's my destiny. It's a part of my legacy. Yes, I'm leaving legacies in other places, but I'm also leaving a legacy that I stood with my people, come what may, that I was unapologetically black, that I spoke truth, even to my detriment. That will be a part of my legacy. And I'll live with it and I'll die with it. And hopefully it will be something that will be passed on to my progeny down the line that they can be proud of. Um, and we are pretty much going to do that uh, for now. Oh, chop, uh, chop milk. We are still working on that. It's it's uh, email me uh, at uh, CEO at the Odyssey Project. Uh, Odyssey Project 21.top uh, to Child Milk 10 that's asking about the young lady we're helping. Uh, oh, man, that's a whole nother fight by itself. I'm, I'm, I'm drained. I'm drained. I'm beat. Uh, and, and I'm going to leave it at that for now. But uh Please uh, email me and I will give you an update on what's going on with that um, and everything else. But yes, uh, to the political trap, you're exactly right. Uh, I love that's one of the reasons I love coming on here, too, because I'm not talking to people who don't know. Uh, it's so much good that I get from just looking at your comments. That's why. I miss doing lives so much because I get the feedback. I see people who 
are hip to what's going on. You're aware. Now we need to put that in in, uh, in motion. Uh, known by Sankofa, uh, thanks. I appreciate it. Much love. Uh, on that note, I'm going to get ready to get out of here. You guys, it's always awesome. I'm pretty sure I'll be dropping something else. It'll probably be recorded because I'll probably be on the move, but I'll probably be dropping something else because I'm just right now in the zone. I'm really looking at so much work that needs to be done, and that isn't. So it is what it is. But, hey, you guys have an unbelievable day. Make it a positive week, and I'm out.